If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome. It is the third hour here of the Eric Erickson program. Eric Erickson Show, whatever you want to call it, it's me. You all know me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We got to talk about the blame game. As I have repeatedly advised you, based on my uh, time and expertise inside politics, and the media doing commentary and analysis on politics. When one side uh, starts claiming they got the message and they got to get the message out and it's all about the message and the message is what people need to hear and and we got a good message and let's tell the message and if we tell the message, we can turn things around and it's the message, you're losing. Well, uh, the other thing uh, is the blame game. On one hand, you've got the uh, you, you got the message, and we got to get out the message and message it, message, 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 and uh, the other is the blame game. And Democrats are engaging in the blame game. Here's the headline from the Washington Post: Worry Democrats poised to pin blame for high gas prices on oil companies. Lawmakers fed up with high gas prices will get the chance to vent their frustration as chief executives of six major oil companies hit the hill. The House Energy and Commerce Committee hearing is the latest effort by Democratic lawmakers and the Biden administration to demonstrate to voters that they're working to bring down prices at the pump amid fears in the party that inflation could contribute to heavy losses in the midterm elections. President Biden has placed much of the blame on Vladimir Putin, but Democrats increasingly have gone after the oil and gas industry as well. Progressives introduced a bill last month to tax oil and gas companies' profits and send the money to consumers as a rebate. Democrats have criticized stock buybacks. Biden has urged the Federal Trade Commission to investigate the industry's quote-unquote anti-consumer behavior. And Democrats are talking more and more about what they call oil and gas company price gouging. Representative Mark Levin of California told uh, Maria Sotomayor and, and Tony Perry of the Washington Post that he tells voters there are three P's to blame for gas prices in his district, pandemic, Putin, and price gouging. He's in California. Notice he doesn't blame taxes and regulation. The hearing by the Democrats is going to be caused, called gouging at the gas station. Now, this is a problem. When you start trotting people up to Capitol Hill to blame them, we have a problem. Um, I, I, I need to, I, I gotta, I gotta lay this out for you here. And you, you gotta want to, want to think about this. Uh, Ro Kahana is a Democrat from California. When oil executives 
appeared before his committee, the House Oversight and Reform Committee in October, Ro Kahana grilled them on why some of them weren't moving faster to slow down oil production. So Democrats, progressives in October, wanted to know why the oil and gas industry wasn't reducing production. And today they want to know why they aren't producing more. This should be very easy for the American people to understand here. The Democrats need someone other than themselves to blame. I just let, let's let's do a mind game here. You have a product. Consumers use the product. And the president of the United States doesn't want consumers to use the product anymore. He thinks it's bad, bad for your health, bad for the environment, bad in some way. The president thinks it's bad. So the president and all of his political party target the product and target the company that produces the product and says they're bad. You shouldn't use it. They're bad. Stay away from it. We're going to regulate it. We're going to punish it. We're going to do everything we can to stop them. They put up regulatory hurdles. They slow down authorizations. What do you think investors are going to do in that company that produces that product? What do you think the investors are going to do? The investors are going to say, my gosh, the entirety of the federal government is aligned against this company. I perhaps should not be investing in this company. I perhaps should wind down my investment. What is the company going to do? Uh, They're probably going to say, well, sales are down because of all the targeting. Um, Perhaps we should not invest further. Now, you're an oil company. For more than a decade now, the Democratic Party has targeted your field. The Democrats have targeted your oil fields. They've targeted your business model. They've targeted your refineries. They've targeted your employees. They've targeted the land and ocean in which you drill. Why would an investor, when the government keeps telling people, that we've got to wean ourselves off of energy, uh, off of fossil fuels. Why would an investor want to invest in fossil fuel companies when the government is telling them it's unacceptable? Don't do it. We needed to use it less. Why would they do that? See, the problem here that the Democrats seem to ignore is that uh, the oil and gas industry, it's bigger than just your gas tank in your car. There are a lot of petroleum products out there. You're never going to get rid of it all. A lot of plastics require petroleum products. But the Democrats, uh, they they bought into the myth that we need to go all clean energy. And so they're targeting it. Again, Ro Kahana, Democrat from California last October, targeted oil companies asking them why they weren't slowing down production. And now they're going to a different committee in the same House of Representatives with the same Democrats wanting to know why you're not doing more to produce more argument. And now they're claiming gouging. They're claiming that, uh, you know, when, when oil prices go up, gas prices go up, but when oil prices go down, gas prices don't go down. Actually, gas prices do start to go down just a little more slowly. And one of the reasons why is because a lot of times it's the gas stations 
keeping the prices up a little more to take a little more profit. Why? Because gas stations actually make a substantial portion of their profit off of what's sold inside their stores, not actually what's sold at the pump. So when oil prices go down, they're slow to bring down their gas prices until the guy across the street does, because as long as they keep them up, they can take some more of that profit off for themselves. And that has more to do with the individual station owners than the gas companies. The Democrats know this, by the way. They're not dumb people. They know these things. But what they're hoping is that you are a dumb person and you don't know these things. Because they've got to find a villain. They've got to find a bad guy. They've got to blame someone. And the blame game is across the board happening. I mentioned this earlier. Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona helped sink one of Joe Biden's labor nominees, pushed the president to open new drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, and hammered the administration over lifting pandemic-era restrictions on the southern border. The Arizona Democratic senator is breaking palpably with the president as he pursues a full six-year term this fall in a once-reliably red state that's recently become fertile territory for Democrats, though Kelly has at times sought distance from the president on the border and economic issues during his 16 months in Congress, his recent run of schisms with the White House demonstrates it's not just Kristen Sinema of Arizona calling her own shots in the Copper State. Though Democrats are used to Sinema and Joe Manchin of West Virginia bucking them, Kelly's vote against David Weil to be wage administrator for the Labor Department shocked party leaders, according to one Democratic senator. And his criticism of Biden's approach to the southern border only grew louder after the White House reversed the Trump administration's public health order, known as Title 42, potentially clearing the way for more immigrants seeking asylum in the country. I tell them when I think they're not getting stuff right, like in this case, there's no plan, Kelly said. Mark Kelly wants to win re-election in Arizona. He's blaming the Biden administration. If you go to Georgia, Raphael Warnock, who wants to win a full six years in the Senate, is running ads targeting oil companies. And he also is blaming the Biden administration on Title 42. Both of these senators are desperate for someone to blame because they're starting to get scared. Because they're starting to realize that hell is coming in the form of a big Republican wave. And they're probably at this point not going to be able to stop it. The reason they're not going to be able to stop it is because so much of the media and so many of the progressives out there are telling each other that it's going to be okay that uh, they are going to not be able to change. They've got themselves inside a bubble, and inside that bubble, they tell themselves that it, it's, it's everything's okay. Voters clearly are not going to go for those racist, fascist, bigot, uh, Republican uh, des- destroyers of all things good and wholesome, the Republican fascists. Uh, what, 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 what all did, um, uh, what's his name call them this morning? The, the fascist frauds. The Republicans are coming, and they're going to destroy us all. Uh, They're a bunch of bigots. They're a bunch of homophobes. They are a bunch of racists. They are a bunch of – that's all the Democratic message is. Fascist, racist, bigot, uh, homophobes who want to keep your kids locked up and keep your wives locked up and keep your daughters locked up and keep the economy locked up and destroy the planet with climate change and global warming. And that message 
plays to a Democratic base. It plays very well to a Democratic base. A Democratic base that is inside a bubble, that does not know Republicans, does not recognize what fascism really is, does not really recognize that the Democratic message out there really doesn't play in the heartland. It doesn't play well with independent moderate voters in suburbs. It doesn't play well with moms and dads who want their girls to get a scholarship in a college. It doesn't play well with people looking at their 401k going down. The Dow Jones is tanking right now over the announcement of the Fed's plan to shrink its balance sheet. Balance sheet. The Federal Reserve wants to reduce its amount of uh, cash on hand, reduce its balance sheet, and the market is in turmoil. It's going to affect 401ks. It's going to affect everything. And the Democrats have to have somebody to blame other than themselves. And so they're yelling pejoratives at Republicans. They're trying to vilify Republicans. They're trying to talk about January 6th. They're trying to to tie Republicans to Donald Trump and stolen election fantasies. They're doing everything they possibly can finding every villain they possibly can, using every pejorative they possibly can to avoid taking blame for their own disaster. Remember, they were warned by Larry Summers within three weeks of the administration taking office that if they did what they did, they were going to get massive inflation. And they trotted out a letter from a bunch of Nobel laureates saying, oh, no, this isn't going to cause inflation. We're Nobel laureates. We know it's not going to cause inflation. And it caused inflation. And they were warned, if you keep targeting the petroleum industry and keep curtailing supplies, at some point, something's going to come along where you're going to need gas and you're not going to be able to get it. And gas prices are going to go up. They were warned. And they chose not to do anything with that. And now, to quote Jeremiah Wright, the chickens are coming home to roost. The Democrats, the only thing they've got is blaming Republicans and oil companies. But just last week, they were blaming Republicans and Vladimir Putin. People kind of catch on after a while they're being played. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Chris, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much. My grandson is a sophomore in college. He's planning to major in political science, and I'm trying to get him some information on careers that a political science major might hope to pursue and earn an income. I listened to your history of your education and the various jobs that you have held leading up to your current broadcasting job. And I wonder if you have any reading materials, books, magazines, sources for counseling a young man who thinks he wants to major in political science. Can he earn a living? Can he have fine job satisfaction? Oh, um, okay. So I, I will, I'll give you my honest assessment. I, I don't know that I have anything uh, to read. Um, I will tell you, in in my honest assessment, a political science degree is kind of like pre-law track. Uh, and you, if you go to college, you get a college degree, you're going to be able to get a job somewhere. Uh, and if you want to go to Washington or you want to work for the government, a political science degree is actually a good degree to have because you will increasingly find as you go along in life that uh, there are a lot of people who think they know stuff and really don't about the way the world works. 
uh, particularly the way government works. Having a political science degree helps there. Uh, and you, if you have a college degree, you tend to have doors open for you uh, that you not having a college degree, those doors will never be open. It doesn't matter what your degree is in. Psychology, sociology, English, history, political science. But most people in my experience who get a degree in political science do a couple of things. They go work in government or politics or go to law school. And that's where you really get your degree. Now, listen, I haven't practiced law on a daily basis since 2005, and I finally stopped practicing law in 2006. And I don't regret, I'm still paying my student loans, by the way. I've got another decade on my student loans, a little more than a decade on my student loans. And I um, I don't regret my law degree. In fact, I I don't know that I would go to my law school, particularly my law school. The bar passage rate is embarrassing now. When I was in law school, it was a 90-some-odd percent passage rate, and now it's down below 80%. Uh, embarrassing. Uh, but uh, law school teaches you to learn to read and write and think in ways that you don't in undergrad. Uh, I essentially, when I got to law school, had to relearn how to write and relearn how to research and relearn how to put arguments together in a way that has certainly helped me in talk radio in ways that I otherwise would never have um, had at law school. Um, it, it's it's absolutely, um, it was, I, now I wish I still wasn't paying on the loans, but the thinking process and the research component and the way to build arguments uh, and the way to read deeply, quickly, legal arguments and be able to process them has been a tremendous help to me, uh, even beyond law, uh, being on television, being on radio. Uh, but if you want a political science degree, I would encourage you to figure out how you're going to use a political science degree. And if it's in campaigns, go start volunteering when you're in college. Get that experience in college uh, from working on political campaigns. And understand that a lot of people don't make a lot of money doing political campaigns. Now, there are a lot of great consultants who do, but most people don't. Most people, uh, they don't do very well with their political campaigns, uh, running political campaigns. Uh, the political consultants be a dime a dozen, but then you can get uh, a job in government or you go to Washington, D.C., I'll tell you, I went to law school because I was working for then-Congressman Saxby Chambliss in Georgia, and he told me that a law degree is like an MBA for politics. You get your poli-sci degree, you go to law school, you're in law school for three years, you go to Washington, D.C., and all the doors open if you have a law degree. They really do. Uh, but uh, do you want to go an additional three years after your four-year undergrad, particularly when so many law schools are going so woke? I don't know that you do. It's a tough call, uh, but poli-sci it can open some doors for you in politics if you get that degree. Hello there. Yes, I had my braces in earlier and tried to say the word fascist. Did not come out as fascist. I am sorry. Um, you know, usually I'm pretty good with these stupid Invisalign braces in my mouth. Um, but sometimes they, they muddy my mouth and ugh, so we will move on. Uh, my apologies. Goodness gracious. Uh, you know, Dr. Laura says if you listen to her show that you can you can wear them all the time and they're fine. Uh, and they generally are, but I'm behind and so I'm rushing through and in any event. Okay, Joe Biden. 
Uh, he apparently forgot the name of the former president of the United States. I mean, it's just so outrageous. That $2 trillion tax cut, the last guy. What was his name? Anyway, the last guy. I forgot it. He never showed up for the inauguration. But anyway. But all- yeah. Uh-huh. Um, right. Okay. By the way, there's breaking news. Uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, has tested positive for COVID. Uh, this has happened in the last couple of minutes. I, I want to talk about a, a, a little bit of a bizarre story here. Uh, there's been a fox on the loose in Washington, D.C. It has bitten nine people. Now, the media in Washington, D.C. has just been aghast at the story uh, that the fox was caught and killed. Do you know what they have to do to test for rabies? You got to cut the head off the animal. Not a pleasant thing. You got to kill the animal and cut off its head. And um, that's what they've done. They have now found the fox's den and have rescued the babies. They've captured the babies, I guess you could say. But there is a lot of uh, upsetness that they have captured this fox and killed it. Now, the fox bit nine people. Bit nine people. They got to test the fox for rabies. I, I, gotta tell, I was cornered. We, we had an old house with a basement. And to get into the basement, you had to go outside the house and, and down a little staircase and it was, it was an unfinished basement. There were daddy long leg spiders everywhere. There was an old rotary phone. You know the old, now for kids these days, it was the one of the uniform black AT&T hung on the wall giant phones that was super heavy. And you had to, as you're rotating the phone around, my gosh, I was down there one night and there was a fox. And the fox actually, I don't know if it was rabbit or not. It didn't look, it, it, was, it wasn't walking unhinged. You know, they foam at the mouth and they kind of walk sideways. Uh, this fox came up to me. I closed myself into that basement and then I had to call the house upstairs to try to get, try to figure out how to do it. And my wife was sound asleep. I was screaming for her uh, to try to uh, open a different door so I could get back into the house while avoiding this fox that uh, clearly wanted to bite me. And I wound up having to call zero on this phone goes all the way around and the operator comes on and say, listen, operator, I'm very sorry. Can you call my house, please? Uh, someone, please. I, I gotta, I gotta get my wife awake. I'm locked in the basement. There's a fox outside that's trying to bite me uh, and I need to get inside. In any event, I say all of this to say there's a lot of media coverage of this fox all over Washington, D.C. And none of you care about the fox, I venture to say. No one who lives in Washington, D.C. cares about the fox. And yet every major news outlet is covering the fox. The New York Times has a story about the fox. The Washington Post has a story about the fox. CNN has a story about the fox. CBS has a story about the fox. Everybody has a story about the fox. You know what they don't have any stories of, all these media outlets? The dead babies. The dead babies. A group in Washington, D.C. found a pile of dead babies. They appear to have either been aborted 
or born alive and killed afterwards. Have you heard the story? Police say they found five fetuses in a home in Washington, D.C. Days after the indictment of several anti-abortion activists, including a woman believed to live in the home where the fetuses were discovered on charges of blocking access to a reproductive clinic in 2020. Officers were called to the home to investigate a tip regarding potential biohazard material. WUSA was on the scene and reported that the home was occupied by Lauren Handy and anti-abortion activists. The news media say police removed evidence in red biohazard bags and coolers. Handy declined to give an on-camera interview. Handy and eight other abortion activists were indicted last week for blocking access to a D.C. abortion clinic in 2020. Handy and the other defendants conspired with each other to obstruct the clinic. Now, where does all this go? Notice they're, they're going after this. But let me read you this story. CBN News. On Wednesday afternoon, strange and unsettling news leaked out of the Capitol. The information flow picked up Thursday with major outlets reporting D.C. police discovered five aborted babies at the home of a pro-life activist. The group reportedly received the fetuses from a whistleblower from within an abortion clinic. The activist privately arranged for the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. homicide unit to pick up the five recently discovered late-term aborted fetuses for forensic examination. Their late gestational ages, as well as their apparent sustained injury, potentially show violations of the Partial Birth uh, Partial Birth Abortion Act, as well as the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, both of which are federal crimes. Lila Rose of Live Action, who's been on this program, shared a series of tweets with those horrifying images. Now, I want you to pay attention to what's happened here. A whistleblower at a clinic delivered five aborted children to a pro-life activist. The pro-life activist called the Washington police and said, I have these. We believe they're evidence of a crime. Please come get them. The national media reports that the police went to a pro-life activist house, removed fetuses, not not babies, they're using the word fetuses, from the home. And by the way, these uh, pro-life activists, they're being prosecuted for blocking access to an abortion clinic. Also, you should know the D.C. medical examiner says uh, there are no plans to autopsy them. Two D.C. officials, according to the Washington Post, with knowledge of the case, say the decision could change if they receive additional information. This is from the Washington Post. The city medical examiner does not plan at this time to perform autopsies on the five babies police recovered from a Capitol Hill row house, according to D.C. officials. They were found in a basement apartment occupied by Lauren Handy, a well-known local anti-abortion protester. 
The organization Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising said it received them from a whistleblower who worked at the Washington Surgery Clinic, a D.C. abortion clinic, and arranged for police to pick them up. The clinic declined comment. Ashen Benedict, D.C. Police's Executive Assistant Chief of Police, told reporters Thursday that the babies appeared to have been aborted in accordance with D.C. law. Now, the whistleblower and the pro-life groups say that uh, these children were killed in violation of the Born Alive Infant Protection Act or a late-term abortion ban. And the media would rather target the pro-lifers and claim, well, they're about to be prosecuted for something else. This could just be a distraction. They're more worried about the damn fox than they are about these children. The National Press Corps is more worried about a fox that got captured and killed to be tested for rabies than they are about finding five children who were killed, possibly aborted, possibly after the abortion. That really, our society has its priorities really screwed up, does it not? Our society has some seriously screwed up problems. And this is one of those problems the mixed-up priorities of the press corps. Now, this takes us full circle. Believe it or not, it does. Takes us back to the very beginning of the program. If you weren't here at the beginning of the program, I got to read you a series of news stories. They all came out on the exact same day, and that would be they came out yesterday. From the Washington Post politics section, the new Red Scare, the right leans into pedophilia. From the Washington Post education section, teacher who mentioned sexuality or grooming kids, conservatives say. From Vice News, conservatives are smearing don't say gay opponents as pedophile groomers. From The Week, why are Republicans so concerned about grooming? From New York Magazine, why Republicans are smearing everyone as pedophiles now? From MSNBC, the QAnon part out loud, GOP smears political opponents as pro-pedophile. All of these stories released on the exact same day, yesterday. Again, it's the priorities of the left and catering to the priorities of the left and catering to the voices of the left and catering to the concerns of the left and catering to the views of the left, of catering to the ideology of the left and catering always, always to the left. And they're leaving so much on the table. They're leaving so many stories out. And again, so much of the media bias is on not what is covered, but is what's not covered and on how the things that are covered are covered. And so anyone who's not a progressive can hear these stories and think they must be not telling me something. And you know what happens is people go off and in search for what they're not being told by the media. You know where they often wind up down the rabbit holes, the conspiracy theorists, because the media isn't telling you the full story. And so you go looking for the full story and you find a, a, a site that appears to be a compelling site and it's actually a conspiracy theorist and you don't know any better and slowly you're reeled in. You have no idea. Because the media is more concerned with stories like a fox running wild on, on Capitol Hill than they are about five dead babies found in an apartment. Because those dead babies came from a pro-life activist whistleblower at an abortion clinic.
and the left and the media are decidedly pro-abortion. Do you know, by the way, for years, Planned Parenthood and the National Organization of Gals has been saying that uh, they're, they're pro-choice, not that they're pro-abortion. Pro- Planned Parenthood has announced that from here on out, they're going to start calling themselves pro-abortion. They're no longer going to say pro-choice. Now, I have for years been lectured by pro-abortion people when I've said pro-abortion. No, 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 I'm just pro-choice. I'm just pro-choice. Planned Parenthood's uh, head of Planned Parenthood, I was on TV once, lectured me on saying pro-abortion. No, 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 it's pro-choice. They've decided they're comfortable now changing the language. In light of the Roe versus Wade case possibly being overturned by the Supreme Court, I suspect there are progressive law clerks leaking from the Supreme Court, by the way. They've decided to give up the game and tell us who they really are, which we always knew. But the media was complicit in the labeling in the same way the American media is far more concerned and outraged about a fox being killed and tested for rabies than they are five dead babies found in someone's apartment. They don't even want to ask any questions about that. That should tell you everything you need to know about the Democrats and the media today. Now, we should clean the air here with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm actually does eliminate odors. It doesn't mask them. It actually eliminates them. Uh, what happens is the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, uh, you plug it in. It actually fits in the size of your hand. It's it's thick, fits in your hand. You plug it into the wall. You can use a USB cord if you need to, and it just wipes out the odors. It doesn't mask them. It wipes them out. It also gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen that's floating in the air, all sorts of fantastic things here for you. Uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm right now, you can get a three-pack for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you're getting it all with free shipping. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You save $200, you get free shipping, you clean the air. I keep one in my suitcase. They really are small and portable. I keep it in my suitcase. I've got a rental car or a hotel room that stinks. I can plug it in and it takes care of the odors. Had to do this with a buddy the other day who had cigar smell in his truck. Plugged it in with a USB cord, eliminated the odors. It can for you too. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you want your business to become a big business, you need big loans for big ideas, reach out to First Liberty, $750,000 loans and up. FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com. Reach out to them, spend a few minutes with them, see if they're a good fit for you, you for them. Tell them I sent you, see if they can help you. Well, there's no time for phone calls, is there? Because we're almost done with this program today, but that's okay. I want to play you a clip. This is from uh, Rand Paul, senator from the uh, from Kentucky. You know, I would say the one thing, and I don't know Elon Musk, I've never met him, but I would say that he has cultivated this persona of independence, of being a free thinker, and that used to be what uh, intellectuals respected. You know, it used to be that people on the left or right, but people of ideas respected ideas. If you were willing to state your ideas and defend them, But then we become more and more this sort of authoritarian notion, mostly from the left, that ideas they disagreed with were to be suppressed. And this has really been true on COVID, but even before COVID, I think was true of climate alarmism as well, that there couldn't be more than one viewpoint, only, you know, the group thinks this way, you're not allowed to think. So I think the more ideas, the better, but I do respect that Twitter's a private company and has the right to regulate speech. I don't think it's a good idea, nor do I think it's good for the country, but I do think Elon Musk will be 
be a good addition to Twitter and hopefully a good voice on their board for more freedom of speech. It's very interesting to watch the um, the left's reaction here. If you haven't heard, Elon Musk bought over 9% of Twitter. Spent a billion dollars or so to do so. He's now the largest shareholder in the company. And the left has for a long time been saying, look, um, we support free speech, but a private company regulating speech isn't free speech. And uh, you got to be okay with that if you support the First Amendment. So along comes Elon Musk, who before he buys Twitter, confirms with the Babylon Bee that their account has been suspended from Twitter, which it has. It's been suspended because they called Rachel Levin a man, the uh, transgender assistant secretary of health and human services. So Elon Musk buys 9% of Twitter and the left's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going to let this guy regulate free speech. It's like they really don't want to allow some speech. I mean, we've known this for a while. They're not exactly free speech guys on the left these days. Uh, They think certain ideas shouldn't be talked about. Like, for example, Rand Paul mentions climate change. Uh, The Los Angeles Times says they're not running any opinions or letters to the editor or anything from anyone who's skeptical at all of what scientists say about climate change. The problem is, even among the scientific community, there is skepticism about some of the claims. But they're only going to allow the most extreme stuff in the Los Angeles Times to try to shape narrative. They don't like competing ideas. The best solution to bad speech is more good speech, but they don't care about that. And they don't like Elon Musk buying into Twitter. They, you know, they don't have to use the platform. That's what they always tell us. Well, they don't have to use it either. Now, there's some breaking news that has dropped. Emerson College, uh, it's not one of the good pollsters in my mind, um, but they actually do have some interesting polling out of Georgia uh, where they have Brian Kemp with an 11-point advantage over David Perdue. He actually outperforms David Perdue in a head-to-head match against Stacey Abrams. And also Herschel Walker, 49-45, to 45, Walker-Warnock with 6% undecided. Uh, with 6% undecided, that's really good for Walker in the Emerson College poll. And typically, I, I think Emerson College undercounts the GOP, so probably Kemp and Walker are both over 50% in the reality. It's not bad.